We're going to turn to Galatians chapter 5 this morning. Galatians chapter 5. We're going to do a little bit of overlap from where we were last week, and then we'll move on into some fresh verses. So we'll be reading from chapter 5, verse 13, through chapter 6, verse 1. Galatians chapter 5, verse 13, through chapter 6, verse 1. As you find your place in the sacred text, I would ask, if you're physically able, would you please stand out of reverence for the public reading of God's holy word? I will read for us, and once I have concluded in chapter 6, verse 1, I will say this is the word of the Lord. I encourage you to respond with a hearty thanks be to God. Let's look now together at Galatians 5, beginning in verse 13. For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. Now, the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. When we come to Galatians chapter 5, Paul has not made an extremely clean and clear break like he does in other letters, but he is following a pattern that Paul is very used to following. Paul, in most of his letters, is going to deal with a lot of theology and a lot of doctrine on the front end of the letter. So one of the best examples of this is the book of Romans. He writes this letter to the churches in Rome, and he spends the first 11 chapters really digging deep in a lot of doctrine and a lot of theology. And then once you hit chapter 12, verse 1, you get this enormous, therefore, in light of these things, offer yourselves as living sacrifices. Everything about the letter shifts. And we move from theological, doctrinal suppositions to practical applications. Here is what all this theology means in your day-to-day life. 
Paul does the same thing in Galatians. He spent the first several chapters defending himself, defending his apostleship, defending the gospel itself, reiterating over and over again that salvation is not grace plus works. Salvation is by God's grace through faith in Christ. And that is the only way to be saved. He reiterates again and again that it is not that Jesus died on the cross and said, all right, I got it started. Now it's up to you to finish it. He reminds us that Jesus on the cross said it is finished. He completed the work that was necessary. It's not faith and then works are required in order to be saved. It is faith and works are a byproduct are a natural byproduct of that faith. When we have faith, we will do good things and do good works because of our faith not in order to be saved. Having made those declarations very clear repeatedly, Paul now moves into what we saw last week. Run the race with endurance. We looked at those videos. We talked about what it means to bite and devour one another instead of helping each other along. In Christianity, for some reason, we forget that we're all on the same team in this race. It's not about whether I come in first or Claude comes in first. It's about us together crossing the finish line. So Paul uses that very powerful and very strong analogy. But something that we often do is we read about running the race. We read about not biting and devouring one another. And we miss that when we get to this section, verses 16 through 26, the desires of the flesh versus the fruit of the spirit. What we like to do is we like to take that and lift it out of the sandwich in which it sits. So if you'll notice in the verses leading up to that 16 through 26, he says, love one another, serve one another in love, through love. Do not bite and devour one another. Then when you come to the end of walking in the spirit, let us not be conceited provoking one another, envying one another. And then even in chapter 6, verse 1, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore that person in a spirit of gentleness. Do you notice that between all the talk about the works of the flesh and the fruit of the spirit, we have a lot of talk about biting, devouring, consuming one another, being against one another within the church. We have talk of the same thing at the end. Don't be conceited. Don't provoke one another. Don't envy one another. We have, if someone is caught in sin, restore them in gentleness. Folks, this entire conversation about the works of the flesh Versus the fruit of the spirit is encased in a conversation about running the race together. It's encased in a conversation about how to help one another live out the fruit of the spirit and avoid the works of the flesh. It's to be done in community. It's not an individual thing. It's not me running this race and there's a scale and balance. And when I get to the end of my life and I stand before the Lord, he's going to set the scales up and he's going to say, all right, here's every time that you abided by the works of the flesh. And here's every time that you abided by the fruit of the spirit. Let's see how it measures out. And if the fruit of the spirit wins out, well, then you get to go to heaven. That is not the context of this passage. This is to be done in community 
with one another. Just like we saw in that video last week, the one brother falls. His older brother comes along behind him and picks him up and carries him to the finish line, pushes him across the finish line first. But see, what we have a tendency to do is to dissect the works of the flesh and begin to say, you know what? I see so-and-so falling into the works of the flesh. I see so-and-so doing this or that. And we begin to condemn one another and gossip about one another. Instead of picking each other up, we're biting, we're devouring, we will end up consuming one another. We're provoking one another. Folks, my favorite line from one of my favorite movies, Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? All right, look, I know that I am a movie fanatic. I get it. All right, there's some movies that I could bring to this pulpit that would be extremely obscure and I would not expect you to know. But I was highly disappointed in how many people have not seen A Few Good Men. I was extremely disappointed in how many people have not seen Shawshank Redemption. So by a show of hands, please, for all that is good, how many have seen Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. That Look, you can't be from the South and not watch Oh Brother, Where Art Thou at least once. The whole movie is an analogy of the Odyssey. You could look that up. It's true. He fights a cyclops, all that stuff. Good. Good movie. Now, at the end of the movie, if you'll remember, that fellow that's running for governor and he is coming up and trying to overthrow the guy that's already the governor and he's got all the support of all the people, he flushes it all down the toilet right there at the end, right? And he begins to cast stones at the old soggy bottom boys up there playing music. Everybody loves the soggy bottom boys, so they don't like him. Y'all remember that iconic line? He says, I have it on good authority that one of these men done sold their soul to the devil. Y'all remember that? That's one of my favorite lines. This is just fantastic. And right after that, the big guy comes up on the stage and he goes, a boom, a boom, 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 a boom, boom. That's just a great movie. Y'all should watch it if you hadn't seen it. Really. Go watch it this afternoon. Wholesome, wonderful film. But folks, what we do is we recite that line to one another anytime somebody is stepping out of line. Anytime somebody begins to exhibit the works of the flesh in their life, you done sold your soul to the devil. That's our first response. We chomp, we bite, we seek to consume one another. There's no attitude of restoring one another in gentleness. Yes, is there an expectation that if the Holy Spirit is within our hearts, if we believe in Jesus, the Holy Spirit comes to live within us. And if the Holy Spirit does indeed live within us, if we truly are saved, the fruit of the Spirit will be what happens in our lives. But folks, we have gone fruit inspecting and taken it to a whole nother level. And look look with me at, at some of these various works of the flesh. Have you noticed how we cherry pick? Have you noticed how for some things we'll holler, you done sold you so to the devil, but other things we just turn a blind eye. He says, walk by the spirit. And then he begins to list off all of these various works of the flesh, sexual immorality. Oh, boy, that's a big one. That's a big one. As soon as we see anybody in any sort of immorality, sin, we throw that condemnation out there right quick and in a hurry. You done sold you sold to the devil. You ain't of the Lord at all. And you move on. Impurity. Oh, same thing there. Sensuality. Oh, God forbid. Idolatry. We shall have no other gods before the Lord. 
except our sports, because we really, we really like sporting events. And our vacations, we really like vacations. And our comfort, we really like being comfortable. And our convenience, don't, don't ask us to be inconvenienced. And our family, Lord forbid that anybody point out that sometimes we take our family and make them an idol. But nobody's going to look at somebody that's made their family their own idol and taken a good thing in the family that God has given us and make it a God thing and say, you done sold you so to the devil. The gospel of the South is family, 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 family first, family last and family, everything in between. And some of us have forgotten God is the number one priority. But we don't call out that kind of idolatry because that wouldn't be appropriate. That goes against our culture. We continue sorcery. Let somebody watch Harry Potter and just watch the condemnations fly out from the handle. You done sold you sold to the devil, that old Harry Potter and sorcery, I tell you what. It's got sorcery in the title of one of the books, The Sorcerer's Stone. You go into you know where in a handbasket. I know it. We jump down people's throat. Enmity. Strife. Jealousy. Now, we don't, we don't typically talk to folks about any of those things, now do we? We don't talk about when there's enmity and strife and jealousy within the church among believers. We, we turn a blind eye to those. You do realize that these are just listed. They're not actually numbered. They're not ranked. Enmity is on the same list as sexual immorality. And yet we are not offended by enmity like we are by sexual immorality. We have a problem with sensuality and impurity, but Lord help us, we don't talk about anybody who's struggling through some jealousy problems. We move on. Fits of anger. Folks, i got to take a step back. I struggle with fits of anger. That's me. That is who I am. The smallest thing at home can be the straw that breaks the camel's back. And before I know it, I am in a fit of stupid rage. For no reason whatsoever, especially if I'm tired, especially if I'm hungry, especially if I'm both. If I'm tired and hungry, Jessica usually just starts throwing food at me from the other side of the room. Eat something. We can't take it. Just eat something. We got to survive. Nobody's come up to me, though, and said, you done sold you sold to the devil, preacher. Sometimes you get mighty angry, irrationally angry. No, no. That's how we treat impurity. That's how we treat sexual immorality. That's how we treat so many of these things. Rivalries, dissensions, divisions. The church has been subdivided and subdivided and subdivided and subdivided by dissensions, strife, enmity, and divisions. We don't say a word. People in it, within our midst that are divisive. People that are looking for problems, looking for ways to cause Confusion to cause chaos, to cause discussion and disruption around minutia. But we don't we don't talk about those things very much. Envy. You know, envy, he, he repeats envying in verse twenty six. He he doesn't repeat sexual immorality, he actually repeats envy. But we don't harp on envy the same way that we harp on these others. You know what envy is at its heart? It's saying, I'm not content with what God has provided for me. 
I'm not content with the house that God has graciously provided me that I don't deserve. God has given me a place to live, but I'm going to envy Mr. Teal's house because I like his layout at his house better. And God hasn't supplied my need the way I want. I want my need to be met like his needs met. I want a new house. I want a new car. I want a new truck. I want a new phone. I want a new watch. I want a new this. I want a new that. Anytime we envy what someone else has over and above what we have, we are declaring to God, you stink at providing for me. You're a terrible father. You're a terrible provider because I don't have what I want. And they've got what I want. Why didn't you give me what they've got? Envy is a serious problem within our hearts. But we don't like to address envy because it's easy to turn a blind eye to. It's easy to hide. And so we get caught up in the works of the flesh. But boy, drunkenness is one we jump on, isn't it? Man, you let somebody who is a church member be caught anywhere in any situation holding an alcoholic beverage, and they done sold their soul to the devil. I mean, somebody could say, hey, man, I got to go to the bathroom. Could you hold my long neck for just a minute? And you stand there and you're holding the long neck. You get on Facebook and everybody, did you see they were holding a beer? Oh, I think they're an alcoholic. That's it. That's what's going on. That's why their family's got so much problems. They're an alcoholic. That's I see it now. We don't care the backstory. We've gone so overboard on drunkenness that we pounce and, and we don't we don't pay any attention to envy. We don't pay any attention to dissension or division or strife or enmity or fits of anger or jealousy. But boy, let somebody have a can of beer in their house, in the privacy of their home. And look, I say this as somebody who does not drink, never purchased alcohol, probably never going to. I don't think that alcohol makes us better people. I don't think it's a wise choice. But I'm not going to pounce on somebody for drunkenness. I'm not going to run somebody over the coals because they're seen with an alcoholic beverage. And if somebody has a problem with drunkenness, the prescription in this verse says, if we live by the Spirit, keep step with the Spirit. And if those who are spiritual find somebody in transgression, restore them in a sense of gentleness. You see, one of the most powerful phrases that sets the tone for all of these works of the flesh is walk in the Spirit. You see, verses 13, 14, and 15, he's giving us the motivation of love. Through love, serve one another. Love should season everything that he's about to say. But then the second thing that should help us is walking by the Spirit. If somebody takes one step, am I walking? No, I just took one step. What if I take three steps? One, two, three. Was I walking? No, I took three steps. Paul situates all of this conversation around the thought of actively continually participating in these actions. Somebody is not walking until they're taking step after step after step after step. That is the act of walking. It is a continual movement of your feet step after step after step. So when he says walk by the Spirit, it doesn't mean that you live in the Spirit one day or one hour or one step. It means step by step 
walking in the spirit and do not walk in the works of the flesh. Does that mean that we will never commit any of these works of the flesh? No. We will slip. We will fall. We will fall to the desires of the flesh sometimes. But the encouragement is to walk by the Spirit. He even says, be led by the Spirit. The way that the Greek breaks this down is like in elementary school, the line leader. All right. If I say on the baseball field to the little eight you kids that I'm helping to coach, everybody line up, watch the brawl break out. I mean, the world wrestling battle royale is on. I got to be the line leader. I was first. No, I was first. No, I was first. You get out. I'm first. I'm in, I'm in front of the line. Coach, I was here. I was first. Look at me. I was first. I got it. It doesn't matter who's first in the line, folks. But it's the same idea be led by the spirit means the holy spirit is the front of the line he's the line leader he's the one that we stay right in his footsteps the way that it talks about the spirit throughout this passage is not just that he'll give us direction but that he will give us the power to walk in that direction And then after he shows us the direction, gives us the power to walk in that direction, he stays right with us so we can follow on his heels. Does that mean that we will be perfect? No. But a question we do have to ask ourselves is what describes our life better? What describes the way that we live day in and day out better? Does this describe my life and your life in a summary? Sexual morality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things, those who practice such things, those who make a Practice of such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Or does this describe your life and your attitude and your mentality? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Folks, it's not about being perfect. But it is about trusting in Jesus. And when Jesus enters into your heart and the Holy Spirit takes over inside, then our lives will begin to be described in this way. No matter what's going on, there should be a sense about us that we are loving and joyful and peaceful and patient and kind and good and faithful and gentle and self-controlled. And if you don't feel like you can evaluate yourself fairly, I would encourage you ask those who know you best. Because if fits of rage happen multiple times a day, every day, then fits of rage fit you a lot more than self-control fits you. If fits of rage happen for me all the time, then fits of rage describes my character much better than love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. The attributes that should describe me, that should come to people's minds who know me when they think of me are love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. 
Folks, can I tell you one of the easiest ways to start trying to walk in the Spirit? Memorize that fruit. That fruit is not optional. It's not a gift from the Holy Spirit. You know, in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, Paul describes to us that the Holy Spirit gives gifts to certain believers. As they are saved, the Holy Spirit gives some the ability to preach, some the ability to teach, some the ability to minister, some the ability to evangelize. There are so many gifts that the Holy Spirit blesses us with. The fruit of the Spirit is not that. You can't say, well, I'm just not loving because that's not the gift that God gave to me. I'm, I, that, you know, Beverly's very loving. Okay, she's a loving person and I'm, I'm not. That's the gift God gave her and I didn't get that gift, so I don't have to be loving. That's not how it works. It also says fruit singular. It doesn't say fruits. Well, I, got, I'm, I got some of that fruit. I got, I got some of the fruits. I got an apple and an orange. I ain't got my banana yet, but I got an apple and an orange. I got a mango. Watch out for the mangoes. I'm, I'm doing good. I'm collecting my fruits of the Spirit. No. This is the fruit. Singular. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. It was a little kid song. I, I, I got to be honest with you guys. I didn't have all those memorized. So my kids needed to learn them for something we were doing on Wednesday night. And there was this corny little song that they were watching on YouTube. And it said, because the fruit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. I, every time I say them, that song plays in my head. That, that's how I learned them. But we have to memorize and burn it in our hearts, imprint it on our minds, because this is who we are supposed to be. So many times we're praying and asking God, God, where do you want me to go? God, what's your perfect will for my life? God, who do you want me to be? Let me tell you who God wants you to be. He wants you to be a faithful follower of him. And that means living a life, no matter what you're doing, being a lawyer, a doctor, a farmer, being somebody who works on septic tanks, being a plumber, an electrician, being a preacher, being a teacher, being a student, being whoever you are with love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That's what God calls his children to do, how he calls us to believe. Remember last week we talked about how Paul separates out these two sets of laws. We are free from the law of eating whatever is, is holy and clean and avoiding all the things that are unclean. Jesus himself says it's not what goes in your mouth that defiles you, but what comes out of your mouth. That defiles you. That's what Paul is saying with this discussion. Is that what we eat and what we do, what we put into ourselves is not what defiles us, but it is what comes out of our hearts that defile us. And so Paul says, look, you, you don't have to have circumcision. You don't have to follow the rituals and the ceremonies. You don't have to do all of those things. You don't have to sacrifice bulls and goats and rams and birds. You don't have to do all that stuff. You don't have to have clean and unclean food. But you do have a morality to follow. There is an expectation of believers that when you trust in Christ, the Spirit will enable you and empower you to live this way. Not that you will be perfect, not that I will be perfect, but that these will categorize our life way more than the other categorizes our life. So let's return to our sandwich, right? We've dealt with the meat or, you know, maybe you don't like a meat sandwich. It's the peanut butter and jelly, the middle. All right. It's an Oreo. We had a cookie, made it to the cream, back to the cookie. Verse one of chapter six. 
If anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore them in a spirit of gentleness. When we see someone wandering into the works of the flesh who is claiming to be a believer, it is part of our job as brothers and sisters in Christ to approach that person in humility, in love, understanding that I got a log sticking out of my eye, so I don't want to be too persnickety about the splinter in someone else's eye, but to still approach them. It's messy, it's hard, but it's what Scripture calls us to do in a loving and gentle way, restore that person. Help them back to living in step with the Spirit. It's like a line of ants, right? We follow one behind the other. When one ant wanders, we grab them with our antenna and go, whoa, 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 the trail doesn't go that way. It goes this way. But we do it in a spirit of gentleness. And even for churches that try to do this, there's, there's two types out there typically. There's the church that ignores any form of restoring people who have been caught in a lifestyle of this sin, who have wandered into the works of the flesh. Some churches just act like that's not in the Bible. They just pretend, well, we're not going to do that at all. And then other churches are the, are the very end of this verse. The end of verse 1, keep watch on yourself lest you be tempted. Lest you also be tempted. There's churches over here that get all their joy from doing church discipline. Let me tell you what, Ted, Sir Theodore, I saw you and I saw you holding an alcoholic beverage and I'm going to restore you. There ain't going to be no gentleness, buddy. You a sinner and you done sold you soul to the devil. This is one church. This is another church. Oh, you say Ted was... Where? Oh, oh, okay. Oh, oh, we're all good. Yeah, mm-hmm. Everything's fine. No, no, no. I would, I would never say a word to Ted. I wouldn't want to offend him. I wouldn't want to be offended. I, I would not want for there to be division among us. Folks, Scripture says, restore one another in a spirit of gentleness while keeping a watch on ourselves because we too are sinners. And our pride wells up inside of us and says, I am one of the ones who is spiritual. Keith, I am here to restore you, my brother, because I am spiritual and thou artest not. Folks, our pride swells up within us and we think, this is my command from the Lord to restore you. Paul says, look, don't don't be in, in, in an intimate relationship outside of marriage. Before, during, after. Husband and wife together. Stay pure Run from the immorality. Don't be envious of what other people have. Don't be jealous. Don't cause division. Don't have dissension. Don't be caught up in sensuality. He says all these things and he says, if you find a brother or sister who is caught in those things, love them enough to restore them. But do it in a spirit of gentleness, all the while watching yourself. Checking your heart, checking your motivations. Do I really care about Tony or am I just excited that I get to be the judge, that I get to be the one to say this is Tony's mango fruit and it is spoiled? Folks, sometimes we have destroyed ourselves from within over and over and over and over again. So many denominations, so many churches. 52 some odd churches in Covington County that are all Southern Baptist churches. But divisions and enmity and envy and strife and jealousy and anger and fits of rage 
dissensions. All these things crept in. Nobody said anything about them until it was real ugly. Or maybe somebody said something about them, but as they tried to deal with them, they got too caught up in their own pride. And they thought, well, I am sinless and you are the sinner. Folks, let us be the church that practices what is said. Let us be the people who examine the fruit of our lives. Really hard getting ready for this this week because I had to think long and hard. Before standing up in front of you wonderful people, I wonder if they would describe me as loving and joyful and peaceful and patient and kind and good and gentle and self-controlled. I wonder if the fruit of the Spirit really describes my life. Or if when people think about me, there's a lot of the works of the flesh that come to mind. Folks, I'm, I'm nobody special. I'm just another beggar trying to tell my fellow beggars where I found some bread. And I want to challenge you to the same thing this morning. Those who love you and know you best, how would they describe you? Would they describe you as all the fruit of the Spirit? Love, joy, peace, patient, kind, good, faithful, gentle, self-controlled. Or when they think of you, do they think of envy, jealousy, fits of anger, immorality, impurity? What do they think of when they think of you? When you think of your own actions and your own motivations, try and be brutally honest with yourself. Where, where are the works of the flesh getting a foothold in my life? And ask the Lord to reveal some of those places to you. But I can guarantee you and I can promise that you cannot overcome the works of the flesh without the power of the Holy Spirit. And so the really hard question to ask is if the works of the flesh describe your life, I want you to ask another question. Do I really have the Holy Spirit in my heart? I'm not trying to make anybody doubt their salvation this morning, but I want us to evaluate fairly. If the works of the flesh describe my life, and you look back and think the works of the flesh actually describe my life, my whole life, there's never been a moment where somebody showed up and helped me deviate to exhibit the fruit of the Spirit. There's no way to live out the fruit of the Spirit without trusting in Jesus and being empowered by the Holy Spirit. And if you are living and caught in various works of the flesh, and you can't think of a time where you were not more in the favor of the fruit of the Spirit, living that out more than the works of the flesh, I want you to ask yourself, this is I asked myself this week, do I really have the Holy Spirit? Am I really trusting in Jesus? If your answer to that this morning is no, I can promise you, you can change that today, this morning. If your answer to that is yes, but you still know that you're caught in the works of the flesh, I encourage you, find a brother or sister in Christ to help hold you accountable. Say, brother, I'm, I'm trying to work and walk in the Spirit, but I'm weak. I need somebody to restore me in gentleness. 
and you help as I try to bear the fruit of the Spirit. Find a brother who will run up behind you, even though you've almost collapsed on the race course from dehydration. Pick you up, carry you across that finish line. That's our challenge this morning. As I pray for us and we move into our time of response, I want you to think through these things. What describes my life? Am I living out the fruit of the Spirit? Do I really have the Holy Spirit in my heart? Let's pray. Father, thank You. Lord, that could be our whole prayer. Thank You, God. Thank You for Your love and Your mercy. Thank You that You restore us in a spirit of gentleness. Thank You that even though we fail, even though we are flawed, even though the works of the flesh are evident in our lives, that God, You give us the opportunity for forgiveness. You tell us that if we will confess our sins, You are faithful and just to forgive us of all unrighteousness. So Lord, this morning, if there's anyone here among us who has been walking in one of the many works of the flesh, regardless of which one, Father, would You draw them to a place of confession and repentance? Lord, if there's anyone here or anyone watching online that as they listen, they realize, you know, I've never lived out the fruit of the Spirit. I've, I've always been in the works of the flesh. Maybe I don't have the Holy Spirit. Father, would you move on their heart to cry out to you and say, Jesus, save me and help them to repent for the very first time. That by your grace, through faith in Christ, they might be saved and regenerated and adopted into your family. Lord, help us to be the kind of church that lovingly, humbly, patiently restores people in a spirit of gentleness. Let us hold one another accountable in honest and gentle ways so that together we might bear the fruit of Your Spirit. That in our community and in our state and around the world, we, Bethany Baptist Church, might be known as loving and peaceful and patient and kind and good and gentle and faithful and self-controlled And that the only reason we can give for that is that we are empowered by You, Holy Spirit. Father, would You move among us? Would You help us to respond in obedience to Your Spirit? We ask these things in the name of the Father and Son and Holy Spirit.